show something. I saw some people come in and yawn this morning. We don't want that. So we want to do a little, we talked about the body last week and how the body is so important to our souls. Anyway, I want you to do a little stretching. Everybody, arms up as high as you can. I hope you use deodorant. Up, 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 up. High as you can. Come on, come on, come on. Okay, bend over this way. Some of you be a little careful. Over this way. Oh, someone get a picture of this. This would be, this would be very, very good. Okay, down. Oh, oh, that feel good? Oh, it feels good. Okay, arms out like this. Yeah, man. That's good. It's good. All right, I'm tired. Go ahead. You can be seated. Yeah. Very good. Good to have the kids in with us today. We have some really good kids. You know that? Then we have others. Okay, let's get the first slide up here. Can I have the next slide, please? Okay, the perfect, the most perfect church in town. Okay? Up there, it says, no one sings out of tune. Children are seen, not heard. Our pastor knows it all. Never a bad hair day. And I love what he's saying. Dress nicely and bring your wallet. We all would love to have an ideal church, this utopian body of Christ, perfect leadership, perfect fellowship, perfect children, and of course it doesn't exist. And what God wants us to do is love the church that is. Anyone can love the ideal church because it doesn't exist, but he wants us to love the real church. Corinth was one of the most problematic churches in the New Testament but God is still working with them and dealing with them. They were still the bride of Christ. He hasn't abandoned them. I love that hymn. It says, his eye is on the sparrow. And someone said, yeah, and it's on the turkey too. And Corinth was a turkey church. And Paul admits they got some problems. So he says, I still love you. And one of the core issues and core problems in this church was the concept of freedom. And we got election coming up, which is another reminder of our freedom. Uh, we have Veterans Day going to come up uh, here next month as well. Corinth was an independent city, like, kind of like we're an independent nation. And then Christianity came along and spoke of their freedom in Christ, now they're freed from the law, and it just fed that fire of independence. And they developed a slogan saying, all things are lawful, or everything is permissible. In modern verbiage, that we can do whatever we want, because we're free in Christ. And we are free in Christ. Romans 6, 18, you've been set free from sin. Romans 8, you've been set free from the law. 2 Corinthians says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And twice in this book, Paul agrees with the chorus. Corinthians were saying, everything's permissible. Does that make anyone uncomfortable? Tell that to your kids. Now, kids, you are free in Christ and everything is permissible. Do whatever you want. Cool. We are free. But what is this freedom? Freedom is somewhat hard to understand, and because of that, there's two extremes that churches and Christians fall into. The first extreme is anything goes. There's no limits. Everything is permissible. In chapter 8, the Corinthians were saying, hey, we're freed from idolatry. We're freed from false gods, which they were. They know they don't exist, and we know that eating food offered to idols is nothing, and Paul agrees. And he's, but he says in verse 9, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights or your freedom does not become a stumbling block to the weak. 
For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, wasn't that person, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. Now this is weird to us. We don't have anything like this. Back then, eating food sacrificed to an idol was seen as worshiping that idol. Their meal was in conjunction very often with worship. But Paul spends three chapters on this. In Corinth, you would go to a feast or go to a party, and that party would often include worship of an idol or a god, and eating was just part of it. It was a religious event, but also a social event, kind of like going to a restaurant and church all at the same time. And the food that you ate was associated with sacrifice to an idol. And to Christians, they knew that God doesn't exist, so some of them were saying, hey, we can go to these cultic meals and enjoy the fellowship and not be harmed. We know these gods are nothing. Paul says... You see someone offering food offered to an idol, and they see you eating food offered to an idol, and to that person, you look like you're worshiping, and that will be a stumbling block. Don't use your freedom to cause someone else to stumble. Verse 12, when you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I'll never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. So I'm free, and I could go to these meals, but in Christ, I'm going to limit my freedom for the sake of others. Now, how would you define freedom? Here's the easiest definition and the most popular probably. Freedom is the unrestricted right to do what one pleases, to do what I want. But think about it. Kids, let me ask you. Were you given a choice whether to be born or not? Nobody came into the womb to explain the situation, describing what life is like, asking your permission to come into the world, no freedom of choice to that. Were you given a choice of parents? No. Or brothers or sisters? Nope. Sometimes you wish you did, but you don't. How about the body we have? Did we choose the body type we have? Um, nope. We didn't choose that. We're stuck inside these physical bodies. They restrict us. Our brains have limitations. We're tied to this planet by gravity. There's limits there too. We are not free to breathe underwater. So we're not even as free as fish in that regard. We all have restrictions. There is no unrestricted freedom. In fact, I'm going to say the true freedom requires restrictions. A fish is free to swim as long as it stays in the water. Jumps out on dry land, it's not going to be free anymore. It depends on restrictions. How about unrestrained freedom to do whatever you want when you cook a meal? I don't want to use a recipe. I don't want to be tied down. I'm going to do it my way. So a teacher asked her second grade class. Do we have second graders here? Any second graders? Yeah, we do. Here's some recipes from second graders for a meal. One second grade girl gave this recipe for spaghetti. First, take 20 noodles, six spoons of sauce, eight pounds of cheese, put in the oven for 20 minutes at five degrees and then eat it. Yum. Here's a recipe for bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. First take eight pounds of toast, one pound of bacon, eight tomatoes, and one piece of lettuce. <laughs> put in the microwave for 10 minutes at 20 degrees and it tastes good. Do what you want. No rules, no boundaries. To be free, to be a good cook, there are some rules and some restrictions. There was a study done on school children. A group of educators decided to remove the fences from around the school playground, and they believed the fences promoted feelings of confinement and restraint. The curious thing they noticed, 
As soon as the fences were gone, the children huddled in the center of the playground to play. And the conclusion, of course, is children need boundaries to freely play. We need boundaries. The other temptation is go to the other extreme and give up our freedom. We're tempted to trade our freedom in Christ for a religion of rules. You can't do this, can't do that. John Calvin, back in the 1500s of the Protestant Reformation, set up a government in the city of Geneva combining church and state. Preachers were aldermen. The religious people ran the city. And Calvin set up very strict rules and regulations to govern the behavior of everyone. Now, everyone in Geneva was supposed to be a Christian. Why would you need a bunch of rules if everyone's a Christian? Why would you need to legislate behavior? Well, some Christians just won't behave. Can't handle freedom. So in Geneva, this Christian city, they have rules. They had rules about dancing and gambling, going to bars and profanity, excessive public entertainment, immodesty, immodesty in dress, irreligious songs were forbidden. Even the number of dishes at a meal was regulated. And during his regime, several women were arrested for dancing. Three children were punished because they remained outside of the church during the sermon to eat a cake. A girl was beheaded for striking her parents. A banker was executed for adultery. Men and women were burnt for witchcraft. One man was beheaded for sedition and atheism. Another burnt for heresy and blasphemy. My favorite, three men were arrested for laughing during a sermon. I'd love to have you laugh during my sermons. You just can't trust Christians to behave if you give them too much freedom. I grew up in a Christianity that was a little afraid of freedom, lots of rules. Those who smoked cigarettes were far from God, no dancing, no cards, no shooting pool or going with girls who do, and you certainly didn't chew. When I went to Bible college, hair length was restricted for boys, skirt length for girls, and no facial hair for both boys and girls. If you were, <laughs> if you were caught drinking beer, you were kicked out. Christian college. And to be honest, they did keep me out of trouble because I was immature. It is tempting to trade in our freedom to make people behave. Legalism works to a certain extent. But here's the thing. Laws cannot change the heart. No law can stop lust or greed. No law can make you patient or kind or joyful. That is the work of God. It's the work of spirit in your heart. Parents, you have rules for your kids. Why? Because they could not handle total freedom. A young mother was at a doctor's office and she made no attempt to restrain her five-year-old son who was ransacking the adjoining room. And finally, there was an extra loud clatter of bottles crashing to the floor and the mother said, oh, I hope, doctor, you don't mind Johnny being in there. And the doctor very calmly said, no, he'll quiet down when he gets to the poisons. Rules. Rules are to protect now, if a 21-year-old is still ransacking a room and has to be told to pick up after himself and pick up his toys, and he has to be told to say please and thank you, and he's 21 years old, there's a problem. Four-year-olds need rules. And that's why it's tempting to set up so many rules in the church, because there's some immaturity. And this issue of freedom is one of the tensions in Scripture. How can we be free and yet keep people in line? In the Bible, we have all these commands and responsibilities given to us, and then, and then it also says we are free in Christ. How do you mesh these two? We obey, and yet we're free. Paul tells us what, how he's going to use this freedom. Verse 19, chapter 9. Though I am free, 
and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jew, I become like a Jew. To win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I am myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessing. So Paul says, I'm not under the law, verse 20, but in the next verse, verse 21, he says, I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So a couple guidelines for freedom. Number one, we are free, but it is a freedom under Christ's law. Jesus did not say, come and follow a rule book. He said, come and follow me. He is our law. That means we obey his will. One of the church fathers said, love Christ and do as you please. That's freedom. But if you love Christ, you will limit your freedom and do what he wants. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So we're free from legalism, but now we obey because we want to. We obey freely. With my kids, I don't want them to love Jesus because I made them. I want them to love because Jesus because they want to. Now, when they were little, I made them be in places where they were exposed to Jesus. I can do everything I can to teach them about Jesus. But as they mature, I want them to gladly live under Christ's law freely, not because I made them. Second guideline is we are free, but it is a freedom to serve others. Verse 19, Paul says, though I'm free and belong to no one, I make myself a slave to everyone. To the Jew, I become like a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those outside the law, to the Gentiles, I become like a Gentile. Freedom is not Paul's goal. Other people's salvation was, and he used his freedom to reach them. Now, the name I'm going to tell you right now, many of you, it will, you will remember this name, know this name. Billy Joe Shanley. If you don't know him, he was a preacher down in Buffalo for 36 years. He's a local Mount Pulaski guy. He died here a few weeks ago. A little unorthodox. And there's one story I heard at his funeral. He went to visit a man, I think it was in the nursing home, and this man spit in his own hand and held it out to shake Billy's hand. Billy shook his hand. And that man said, no preacher's ever done that before. He eventually became a Christian. Billy was free to shake or not shake that hand but it's a freedom to serve others. All things to all people. I'll even shake your spitted hand. I'm free from a bunch of rules so I can become your servant. Now, I do know what's going to happen in a sermon like this. I know what some people are going to do. You know, I can love Christ and do what I want. Well, that's cool. And all we hear is I can do what I want. I may be free, but it's a freedom to serve Christ and others. See, there is an attitude that says, what can I do? What can I get away with and still be okay with Jesus? What are the smallest basic requirements I could do and still get to heaven? Can I still cheat on my taxes? Can I get drunk once in a while? Do I have to go to church? And, and we see Christianity is suppressing my freedom instead of giving us freedom. And then we get enslaved to all these other things in our lives. There's a man and woman who gets married. And on the wedding night, he says, honey, let's sit down and negotiate the terms of my fidelity to you. We are now married, and you promised to stick with me, love me, never forsake me, for better or for worse. I am secure that you love me, and that's just wonderful. Now I need to know, just how faithful to you do I need to be? 
No. You'd call that a sick man. That's not a marriage. Because he sees marriage as a prison limiting his freedom. And he's wondering what he can do selfishly and still be married. And that's exactly how some approach Christ. What can I get away with? What can I... How, how far can I be selfish and still be married to Christ? How far can I push this freedom stuff? How faithful to him do I have to be? Do I have to serve? Do I have to tithe? Do I have to read the Bible? Can I still go to parties and do a little sinning? Can I still gossip? Can I be married to Christ and still be greedy? See, we see our relationship with Christ is a prison that limits us instead of freeing us from all these other things. Marriage done rightly will free you to experience a deeper love you cannot have anywhere else. The limits of marriage will give you the best freedom possible. And being in Christ frees you to a richer, deeper life that cannot be had outside of Christ. I was playing a game with my grandson, and he's six years old, I believe. He was a little frustrated with the game and the rules of the game. He said, Grandpa, rules are boring. And he's right. And if you have a Christianity of rules, it is boring. It's awful. Don't abuse the freedom. The Corinthians made a mess of their lives, and you will too. You know, anything goes. But don't go back to a religion of rules. You know, what do I have to do? Now, I would like to set some rules because some Christians just won't behave. So here's some rules that I'd like to set up. Number one, rule number one, you have to be in worship Sunday school in a, or a small group, and you have to do ministry regularly because you won't grow in Christ without it. I honestly believe that. I've seen it. You've got to be involved in the church. That's why Jesus established. Rule number two, all children and youth should, will go to Sunday school and or small groups. Absolute must. Rule number three, skirts medium length at best. Okay. Number four, you have to give at least 10% of your income to God and tithe. I've seen so many people blessed because of that. Rule number five, TV and internet and social media limited to weekends only. And then only two hours a day. We would have healthier families and healthier minds. Rule number six, no overeating. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, and ladies, no more than one ounce of chocolate per day. And everyone must exercise four times a week and no alcohol. Rule number seven, I love doing this. Make up your own rules sometime. It's kind of fun. Rule number seven, you cannot buy a house or car that maxes out your budget. Bad stewardship, and it'll cause stress in your life. Stop going into debt. That's a law. And rule number eight, you have to be nice to preachers. <laughs> We'd have a better church, wouldn't we? I think those are pretty good rules. John Calvin had all kinds of rules. Didn't work. You can conform to rules and not be transformed. And see, that's the trick of parenting. We have them conforming to rules when they're kids. That's normal. That's good. It's a way of giving them freedom, really, in a way. But we want them to go from conformity to transformation. And that only happens by the power of God and His Spirit in their hearts and minds. So here's what Paul's teaching. Because I love Christ, I will love His church and do everything I can to help His church be successful and spread the good news. Because I love Jesus, I will be as generous as I can be, as he's been with me. Because I love Jesus, I will dress modestly. Because I love Jesus, I will put up with some people in the church that bug me. I'll love them anyway, because I love him. Because I love him, I'll share the gospel so that others can love him. 
One day we will stand and give an account and we will stand before Jesus and he will not ask, did you follow the rules? The question will be, did you follow Jesus? And love him with your heart and soul and mind and strength. We are free from the law and free from sin and free from all these other addictions, but it's a freedom to serve. Then chapter 10, he says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Do you need a bunch of rules to keep you in line? Or is the greatest commandment guiding you? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And then the second greatest is loving others, loving your neighbor as yourself. Everything's permissible, but not everything glorifies God. Everything is permissible, but not everything serves my brother or sister. So we have been freed to love God and serve others. We don't need conformity today. We need transformity. New people, not just obedient people, changed people. And more rules aren't going to do it. Living in and for Jesus Christ as your Lord is the transformation. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for these words that Paul gives to us. Um, Thank you for the freedom we have in Jesus, freed from so many things. And it's a freedom to serve you and others. I pray you'll empower us, transform us. In the name of Jesus, we pray this.